Good morning. My name is Philip Harrison. I'm here with my wife, Susan, and we're very thankful for the opportunity to be with you. May the Lord bless all of us as we open up his word of grace. I want to give praise to God for his blessing on my life, my family, and my ministry for over 40 years. During my years of pastoral ministry, I've experienced many blessings and successes, but I've also experienced times of confusion, struggle, and disappointment. Let me give you an example. Uh, Several years ago, I sensed God's leading to step away from my lead pastor position of another First Alliance church in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. We were confident that God was saying that it was time for us to step out from there. Uh, And we know, both in hindsight and we knew then looking forward, that that was the right decision that the Lord was leading us. But as we were doing that, we anticipated that very quickly there would be another lead pastor opportunity for me. And very quickly became weeks and months and being unemployed and wondering what was going on. And I wondered, Lord, did I hear you correctly? Uh, what's happening now? Uh, I just wasn't sure what was taking place. Uh, I assumed that since I was following God's leading, he would move me on fairly quickly. But my fairly quickly is not the same as God's. Have you ever experienced something like that? Maybe where you thought you were sure of what God wanted you to do, and as you moved out into that direction, things didn't go smoothly. Or maybe uh, it seemed as if, It was a mistake what you had done. How should we handle times of confusion, times of disappointment? When you encounter roadblocks like that, doesn't it drag you down and frustrate you? Sometimes it robs us of hope. Did anyone in the Bible ever experience things like that? Well, we could find lots of stories in the Bible where people went through difficulties, people of faith, and God still worked in their lives. I want us to look uh, this morning in Acts chapter 15, as we would uh, go there, uh, to see how the Apostle Paul dealt with this. Acts chapter 15. In the last portion of Acts chapter 15 and on into chapter 16, in a very short amount of time, the Apostle Paul and his ministry team experienced five different uh, disconsolate experiences, including the breakup of the ministry team, roadblocks to ministry, and even spending time in jail. So all of that was is experienced in this short passage. So as we look at this, uh, and you think about If you were there and you're telling other people about Jesus and that's your goal, that's your call, that's your mission, and this happens to you, what would you be thinking? Let's look closer at Paul's experience. We see first that they had a wonderful plan, he and Barnabas, 
to serve the Lord. So verse 36 of Acts 15. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose, now verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now we look back at those earliest verses and we see that Barnabas and Paul had already completed their first missionary journey. They then had represented the Gentile believers in Jerusalem in the earlier portion of Acts chapter 15 at what is called the Jerusalem Council. And at the Jerusalem Council, the decisions were made as related to uh, freedom uh, of grace and God's work in our lives. And that message was to be taken back to the Gentile believers. So Paul and Barnabas came back to Antioch. They gave the report along with some other representatives that had come. Those other representatives headed back to Jerusalem while uh, Barnabas and Paul stayed in Antioch and preached and taught a little bit longer working with the people. But as they were uh, ministering there, there came a, a sense in their hearts that it's time to go back to those churches from our first journey, go back and see how the churches are doing, how all the people are doing, and encourage them and see what we can do to help them out. And they both thought that was a great idea. It seemed to be the voice of the Lord for them. And so they were going to do that. But right away, there's a problem. Uh, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along as a helper. Uh, and then Paul did not. He disagreed. Uh, John Mark had gone with them on their first journey. He had gone to Cyprus with Paul and Barnabas and then gone on uh, up into what we would call Turkey. Uh, but as he got to that first spot on the coast of Turkey, he left and went back to Jerusalem. Paul felt as if John Mark deserted them, uh, that he had turned away, that he had left them in the lurch because he was their helper. He was the one that was supposed to go along and be their support. And he had gone away. Barnabas may have agreed. Yes, he made a big mistake. Uh, he uh, maybe did desert us. But being a true son of encouragement, as the name Barnabas means, Barnabas saw great potential in John Mark. And he said, I want him to come. Paul says, no, he cannot come. And they went back and forth. Uh, Barnabas felt so strongly about this that he fought for John Mark to go, but he could not convince Paul. And so there was such a sharp disagreement, the scripture tells us, that they went separate ways. They parted. The ministry team of Paul and Barnabas was broken. And they went their separate ways. Uh, Barnabas and John Mark went on to Cyprus, going back to the earliest churches that they had, uh, Paul and Barnabas had started on that island. And Paul took along a new ministry partner, Silas, and went with him uh, up into the area of Turkey uh, and started to go to the churches there. Barnabas and Paul were both confident 
that God was telling them it's time to go back to these churches that we helped plant. It's time to go back and to encourage the people and to see how they are doing and how we can help out. And they both did what they felt God was calling them to do. They went back to the churches only in different areas. Cyprus or Turkey. They overcame the, lo- the roadblock to ministry. They weren't stifled in the sense of not being able to go on with the mission. They continued on, but now in two separate teams that might have felt as if they're somewhat weaker, these new teams. Barnabas uh, and Paul separated. We never hear in the scriptures of any time when they got back together. We do hear that John Mark later is uh, in the good graces of Paul and is a helper to him and is valuable to him in ministry. So we know that there might have been some sense of healing. But I imagine that the disappointment in this breakup probably lasted a long time and may have never gone away. Do you ever have situations like that where you've made a decision or had a difficulty and you just feel it? For a long, long time. Uh, and you think, oh, if I had only done something different, maybe we could have stuck, stuck it out. Maybe we could have continued on. Uh, we have questions like that. But with the breakup then of Barnabas and Paul at the end of Acts chapter 15, the author, Luke, turns our attention to the ministry of Paul and Silas. And verse 41 says, He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So let's move on to Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas began their travels in Derby and Lystra. And there in Lystra, they met a young man named Timothy, who had a great reputation uh, as a believer in the Lord. And they added him to the team as a helper and continued ministering to the churches of the region. Verse 5 says that the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So this good plan of going back and strengthening the churches and helping the churches was being successful. Uh, they were being blessed, already confident that they had heard from God to go and strengthen the churches. They were reassured by the reception they were receiving uh, as they went. Great things lay ahead for them. Things were looking up again. And then came the next roadblock. Verses 6 through 8. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. Now, often when I'm reading through this section of Scripture, I tend to focus on these roadblocks because they're so confusing to me in terms of what Paul was experiencing. But there are positives that are demonstrated here as well. Yes, they were prevented from preaching uh, in the provinces of Asia and Bithynia, but they were able to minister through the regions of Phrygia and Galatia and even Mycenae. The people of these regions would be forever grateful that the Lord had allowed Paul and Silas and the team to come to them and minister. So there's that positive. Positive things were happening, but clearly, clearly, the team faced roadblocks. uh, Big roadblocks. Verse 6, they were kept from preaching the word in the province of Asia. How? How were they uh, 
kept from doing that? It says, the Holy Spirit forbade them. Doesn't that seem odd? Lord, we want to share your gospel here. We want to go out to this area, this province of Asia, which is in eastern Turkey. Uh, We want to go into that area and tell these people who need Jesus about Jesus. But the Spirit forbade them. How he did that, we don't have a record. But somehow, in some very clear and strong way, the Holy Spirit said, do not go to Asia. And so they moved in another direction. There are times when God, the Holy Spirit, impresses something on us so deeply that we must not ignore it. We need to be sensitive to him. Uh, Some people might refer to having a check in their spirits. You've probably heard that before. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe it's a feeling of discomfort or unease. You know, we know this is a good thing, but something doesn't feel right about it. Uh, Or maybe there's that idea of the still small voice of the Lord. Or maybe an impression that the Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts. Have you heard the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? Perhaps he's impressed you to do something that you might not ordinarily think about doing, but you knew the Lord was saying to do this. Or there might be another time when you're wanting to do something and you just have that inner voice saying, don't go that way. While I've not personally heard the audible voice of God, there have been times in my experience when there's that sense of a check in my spirit. When I felt that the Lord was saying, no, don't do that. And instead of, uh, by experience, I've learned not to bull my way through. You know what experience means? It means you tried it. So I found out it wasn't the right way. So I've learned not to bull my way through, but to listen uh, to those checks in my spirit. To seek the Lord. What is it you're trying to say? In some way, Paul was prevented by the Holy Spirit from preaching in Asia. Then we look at verse 7. After ministering in Mycenae, Paul and the team uh, thought that the next place to go then would be the area of Bithynia. Uh, Still actively serving the Lord. Following what they thought to be God's will. They aimed for Bithynia only to be told no again. This time it mentions it by the Spirit of Jesus. Think about Paul's experiences. He's reaching out to lost people with the gospel. Isn't that what God wants? Well, sure. Then, Lord, what are you doing? I tried to take your word into Asia to people who need Jesus, but you closed the door. Now I want to go to the region of Bithynia and I'm facing still another roadblock. What do you want me to do? What are you trying to tell me? Puzzled by the roadblocks, yet confident of the Lord's will for them to continue, they trusted the Lord and they moved on. Sometimes the way may seem barren, dry, and empty. But even in hard times, God sees the bigger picture of hidden beauties. And deeper still, 
to the real treasures of the people that he is reaching. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy went past Mycenae and Bithynia and came to the coastal city of Troas. They kept looking, trying to discover what God might be doing. After all, if not Mycenae or Bithynia, maybe it would be the next town that God would have them go. Though uh, through their continued movement, we see that Paul was not one to just sit still. He had a mission to fulfill and he was going to fulfill it. So he kept trying, kept trying, kept trying uh, until he would find that blessing from the Lord. Though probably still puzzled, they chose to move forward. And as they traveled, they shared the gospel and they sought the Lord for direction. Verses 9 and 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, likely the apostle Paul had been seeking the Lord throughout the day. You know, he's when you're in confused, you're saying, Lord, what's next? What are you trying to tell me? How do you want me to go? So he was probably seeking the Lord, but it was after he lay down at night to rest that God gave him a dream. A vision. Now, Paul didn't go to sleep anticipating a vision. Uh, I think he was surprised by it. But these closed doors that had halted all their previous plans, now a surprising vision. It seems that God is opening another door, a door they hadn't even thought of. Uh, Remember, their mission, as they undertook it, was to go back to the churches that they had helped plant and to strengthen them. But they had not been into Europe. They hadn't gone to Troas, our past Troas before. Now they're being called over to Macedonia. And so uh, this disappointment of not being able to preach the gospel where they had wanted actually became a tool in the hand of God to lead them to the place he had for them to share the good news. Paul and his companions had great plans, but God had better ones. We have a way that we want to go, sometimes even as we're seeking to serve the Lord. But sometimes our ways are not God's way. They don't always line up with his plan. God's way is always the right way and the best way. Even when he leads us through opposition Or disappointment. Already we've seen Paul face three roadblocks. But now that he's moving on to Macedonia. In obedience to the call of the Lord. Surely he has smooth sailing. Well he did have smooth sailing. Across the Aegean Sea. To Macedonia. And then as they first went there. And started sharing the gospel. There were some positive results. Things seemed to be going well. But soon he faced yet more difficulty. Let's look at verses 13 to 15. On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate, outside the gate to the riverside, where we were supposed, we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So things seemed to be looking up. Lydia and her whole household were saved. Paul and his team had a new sort of home base for a while they were in this area in Philippi so that they would be able to spread the gospel. Uh, a place of relative comfort being with her. She was a pretty successful businesswoman. But then uh, be able to go out into the community. But as they ministered, In the city of darkness, soon they came face to face with spiritual oppression. Verse 16. And as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So there's spiritual opposition. This slave woman had a demonic spirit and somehow she was able to uh, tell fortunes. And her owners were making lots of money off of her. The demonic spirit inside of her was troubled by the presence of Paul and Silas, the team, and Timothy, uh, and began to do things to disrupt their ministry. The words that she announced actually sound okay to us. If she had just said this once and then kept quiet so the ministry could go on, maybe. But it seems that she was saying it over and over again. She did this continually for many days, and she became a huge distraction so that people were no longer paying attention to the words that uh, Paul and his team were trying to share, the words of the gospel, but they were paying more attention to the woman and her loud proclamations. There's a lesson in this for us today. When we serve the Lord, the enemy of our souls is going to do anything that he can to disrupt us. Uh, to cause confusion, uh, to distract people from hearing the word. So we shouldn't be surprised when we face spiritual opposition. So finally, when he could take it no longer, Paul commanded the evil spirit to come out of the woman. And verse 18 says that spirit left the woman at that very moment. This girl was delivered. She was free. Her life was dramatically different and it was never the same again. Hallelujah. Can you imagine how thrilled she must have been? But remember, she's a slave and her owners aren't thrilled at all because they see that their source of income has gone away because she can't do fortune telling anymore. Uh, She doesn't have that power because she doesn't have that demonic spirit in her anymore. Uh, And all they can see are the dollar signs. They don't care about her as a person. And that's one of the problems with slavery, right? It's just objectifying, uh, making possessions out of people, not seeing them as people. And here, uh, these guys are so upset. They decide uh, when they realize, verse 19, their hope of making money off the woman was gone. They place the blame squarely on Paul and Silas, dragging them before the city officials with all sorts of accusations. I'm just sort of summarizing what verse 19 says. When you help someone, 
you might think there'd be a sense of appreciation or amazement at the power of God. Uh, These slave owners didn't feel helped. Uh, They felt hurt. They were hardened by their love of money and their own greed. Instead of bowing in admiration to God and his delivering power, they attacked God's servants. Verses 20 to 24. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Deep in the inner depths of this prison, what would Paul have been thinking? Do you think he might have been puzzled like he was when the Spirit had forbade them from going into Asia? But even in the time of confusion, Paul and Silas trusted God. Verse 25 tells us that at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. If you've been beaten with rods and thrown into the inner jail, put your hands and feet in stocks, are you feeling like singing? Well, they were trusting the Lord, so they worshiped the Lord. They praised Him. They sang and they prayed. Uh, The other inmates were astonished, and they were listening to whatever Paul and Silas had to say. Uh, They were singing songs of praise and worship. The others listened to these strange people, and suddenly there was an earthquake that shook so strong that the very foundations of the jail were shaken. The doors flew open, and the bonds that were on them fell off. That's just amazing. And I'm thinking, if I were in that situation, the door opens, the chains fell off, it's time to get out of here. And that's what the jailer expected had happened, because when he came running, he saw the prison doors open, and he's ready to kill himself because it's his life for the life of all those prisoners, and if they've escaped. But Paul calls out, don't harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer comes and he realizes that Paul and Silas must be truly men of God. And he falls down before them and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he takes Paul and Barnabas. They go to his house. He shares the gospel. Uh, They hear. They're baptized. And then Paul and Barnabas head back into the prison. Uh, and they're there uh, through the next morning. We're not going to go into too much of that. But what appeared to, to be an unplanned, unfortunate, and disappointing imprisonment, a natural disaster happening, those things are terrible. But all of this was really an opportunity that God used to open the heart of the jailer and that of his whole family. God redeems disappointments, and he even uses hard things to accomplish his purposes. Though Paul had a very powerful ministry throughout his life, he faced struggles, disappointments, and roadblocks again and again. 
He speaks of shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonments. He was deserted by other ministry partners. uh, And more things happened to him. Some of the disappointments may have ended up just seeming to be ongoing and without purpose. Maybe he never knew. Sometimes we're disappointed in things and we never know what God was doing in those situations. But there were other times when he could see the disappointments and the difficulties and the dangers were tools in the hands of God that enabled him to share the good news with someone else. Now, if we come to today... In our modern Western U.S. minds, when we experience hardship or disappointment in our ministry efforts, then we begin to question, maybe we're out of step with God's will. Maybe we're not to do this. Now, it's not bad to ask that question because we always want to make sure we are in alignment with the will of God. But sometimes we, in right relationship with God, following him in obedience, we still face hardship. And difficulty and disappointment. And when we do, sometimes it is the plan of God to grow us, to teach us, maybe to bring us to our knees before him, or maybe even to redirect us. And when those disappointments take place, God has something better in mind. Remember I said that sometimes the way seems barren. On the slides that are up, these three slides are all the same picture, just parts of it. So sometimes the way seems barren. Three years ago when I stepped away from that lead pastor ministry in obedience to God, I struggled with the lack of opportunity and time of unemployment. The way seemed barren, but praise God, he had the bigger picture in mind. So needing to find work, I started driving a school bus. I love driving bus. I love connecting with the other drivers and the kids. As a bus driver and also a pastor, I've had opportunities to perform a wedding. I've done a baby dedication. I've had a time when one of our drivers fell to be able to pray over him, lay hands on him and pray over him. Uh, I've had opportunities that I would never have experienced. And once I started driving, uh, and as I drive each day when the students are getting on the bus, they don't realize it, but I'm praying silently for them for God's blessing for that day. And uh, I'd love to have some statistical way of being able to measure that, but uh, at any rate, I continue to pray for them. And when I started driving the bus, then pulpit supply opportunities started to come up. So that during the year, I only had one or two weeks where I wasn't preaching somewhere. Uh, So that was a wonderful thing. And then I was offered an opportunity to be an interim pastor for a church in transition. And I did that for a year till the new pastor came. And then right after that, I had another opportunity to be an interim pastor. And uh, just this past July, the new pastor came to that church. And now I'm back doing pulpit supply. And it's given me wonderful opportunities to meet people like you uh, that I wouldn't have if I was in that situation that I thought I was supposed to be in. Disappointments are difficult and sometimes unexplainable. 
They catch us by surprise. Even disappointments like a pastor's resignation. When those difficult experiences happen, recall the experience of the Apostle Paul. Entrust yourself to God's care and look closely for his fingerprints. Give glory to God and open your heart and hands for the tools that he has given you. I want to show you a picture of a scene in Lawrence County where I live near Newcastle. This is right near McConnell's Mill State Park. The county has some rolling hills, but relatively speaking, it's a flat area compared to other towns in Pennsylvania that I've lived in. But there's lots of gorgeous scenery like this, but just over the hill from this vista lies a deep gorge in the state park. Hiking or driving down into the gorge is like going into another world. A world that I would never have experienced if it hadn't been for some friends who said, we want to take you to McConnell's Mill State Park. Have you ever been there? No. And they took us one day, and as we descended into that gorge and drove, and you drive underneath some big boulders uh, that are sticking out, it's just amazing. And seeing the covered bridge uh, that's not in the picture, but the old grist mill that is there, places to hike with our grandkids, as you see. Uh, we uh, come to this place time and time again. I was astounded. The place of beauty that I've returned to time and time again uh, would not be possible if I had not gone off the usual path, which I drive by that park all the time on US 422. But now, when I have the time, I pull off to be able to go to this other world. Disappointments force us off our usual paths. And sometimes, in God's grace, it forces us into a path of blessing. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord, for He cares for you. And we discover that God is good. One person knew what to say. God is good all the time. We need to remember that. God is good. Let's pray. Lord, you know the things that are going on in our hearts and lives. You know struggles. You know disappointments. You know successes. Lord, we thank you that as we yield ourselves to you, that we can trust you to guide us and to strengthen us, to lead us into the path that you have, a path that is a part of your plan, a path that will enable us to touch other people's lives with the love of Jesus. Lord, make us to be sensitive to what you are doing. Open our eyes to see your plan your hand, your grace. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We give our disappointments to you. We give our struggles to you. And we ask for you to glorify yourself and accomplish your great purposes for your honor and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.